So if you have a Bible, if you want to turn it to Matthew chapter 2, If you're here last week, Tracy uh, spent some time in the first couple verses in Matthew chapter 2, which uh, is this, the story of the Magi, or the, the wise men. And so Tracy did a great job of kind of walking through who are the Magi and some of the characters in that story. And uh, if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, you can go back and you can listen to the, the recording of it. It's a podcast that you can listen to through the website. And there's also, um, every single week from the the teachings through the Gospel of Matthew, we've, we've been recording them, including this one, I think. So, it's awesome. Uh, so, if you have your Bible, if you look at Matthew chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 13 and then read down to verse 23. So, it says, When they, that's the Magi, had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. He says, Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. So was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, remember they had visited Herod on their way to go see Jesus, and Herod has this interaction with them, and they say, we, we've seen his star, we know where he's born. And then they, they go and they visit. And at the very end of last week's teaching, in verse 12, we see that the Magi return home by a different route. So when Herod realized, back down in verse 16, that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Verse 19. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. So there's a lot going on in this uh, passage, in these 10 verses, 13 through 23. But really, what's, what's happening is, after the Magi come and visit Jesus sometime in the first two years of his life, an angel comes to Joseph and says, hey, it's not safe to be here. You want to take your family and you want to go to Egypt, uh, which there was a, a Jewish community living in Egypt at the time, so it wouldn't have been all that out of place. But Joseph takes his family and they end up as refugees in a foreign country because of persecution. So they leave and they go to Egypt and they spend time there. And in the meantime, what happens is Herod, who's this really, really bad dude, uh, to put it in today's language. He's a, he's a bad guy. He kills his family members. Uh, we have this quote um, that Tracy referenced last week that Caesar, uh, Augustus, said that it was better to be a pig in the house of Herod than to be his own child. And so there's this there's a sense in which Herod is a brutal king, and when he finds out that the one who is to be born king of the Jews has been born, he tries to kill him out. He tries to wipe him out. But God, through his uh, angel, sends this messenger to 
to tell the family to leave and go back, go to Egypt. And then after Herod dies, uh, the angel of the Lord comes to Joseph again, and then they come back. Rather than going to their same hometown, they end up going to a different region, to Galilee, and then to specifically to this city of Nazareth. And so, really, there's, there's a couple things going on here that I just want to point out uh, before we, we get to eat food. First is, um, there's this refrain that's repeated time and again in this passage, but in, in chapter 1 and in chapter 2, which if you noticed, it's, it's this idea of, so it was fulfilled. So if you look back down at the text, uh, in verse 15, and so it was fulfilled, what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. And then again in verse 17, then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. And then if you skip down again to verse 23, so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets. There's this repeating refrain that it was fulfilled. And if you were to go back to chapter 1, if you remember, there's this prophecy about the the virgin conceiving and giving birth. And if you go back to uh, 1, verse 22, it says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And even when the Magi come and visit Herod, they have this, there's this fulfillment. They ask, hey, where's the, what's the prophecy about where the Messiah is going to be born? And they're able to give a prophecy. So what happens, these really these five times in this short amount of space in the text, is that prophecy is being, being fulfilled. And what I think we need to notice out of that is what Matthew is really, really keen to point out. Remember, he's writing to a Jewish audience who would have known their Old Testament. They would have known their prophecy. And Matthew is keen to tell them time and time again, what you've been waiting for and what you've been hoping for, that's coming to pass. That is happening. All of that expectation, all of that longing, it's actually coming together. Which, for us, as we sang those two Christmas songs to begin with, we enter into the season of Advent, which historically, Advent has two purposes. It's to remind us of Jesus' first coming as a baby in the story that we've read over the last couple weeks, but it's also to point us forward to Jesus' second coming, And so there's this sense in which, just like Israel was waiting for their Messiah to come, which we've talked about a lot over the first five weeks of this book, is that we too long for Jesus to come. And that's true on the macro level, because there's all sorts of things in the world today that we long for Jesus to set right and to come and make all things new. Of all the evil in the world, all the injustice in the world, the famine and sickness and warfare, There's all those things in the macro level where we just need Jesus to come and press the reset button. And we need him to come and make all things new. But it's also true on the micro level for us as individuals or even us as families or as friends. There's things in our own lives where we need Jesus to come and set right. Whether it's something that you've been praying for for days or maybe weeks or maybe months and maybe even years. You're waiting on Jesus to arrive, so to speak. And so when we transition to getting the food, one of the questions that I want you guys to consider on the table and hopefully be able to share with one another uh, is just around this question, which is where and in what ways are you waiting for and hoping for and praying for Jesus to arrive? So as we enter into the Advent season, we enter into that waiting and that hoping. And if you would just share around the tables the answer to that question, and it'll stay up and we'll rotate through the other set of questions as well. But if you look back down at the text, I want to just point out one more thing. If you look at verse 13, it says, when they, that's the Magi, had gone, 
an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. And the angel tells Joseph what to do. An angel is really, it's, uh, it's just a messenger. So the Greek word and the Hebrew word, just they're messengers from God. And they prompt Joseph to take the family and to go to Egypt. And then if you look back down uh, again in verse 19, after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph, which should remind us what happens in verse 1, where an angel of the Lord comes to Joseph and tells him what to do. What we should notice, again, Matthew is trying to point something out to the reader and to his audience, which is that, that Joseph is being obedient. He's being responsive to the ways that God is leading him. Matthew is careful to tell us just how these events occur and that we, we see that in, in Joseph's obedience, that's how God's purpose is and that's how God's plans come to pass is because of Joseph's responsiveness and his obedience to God's leading and God's prompting. So the second set of questions that I want us to consider as we transition to eating around the tables are these, these three questions, really. So first... You know, just like Joseph has an angel come to him in a dream, maybe that's happened to you. It's ne- that's never happened to me, and I, I've never heard of it happening to anyone, but it, I'm sure it could. Uh, maybe there's, there's smaller ways or, or less blatant ways where you've seen God lead you and guide you, maybe just speak to you in listening prayer or speak to you through worship or through scripture. Is there anything currently, like right now, today, that God is directing you to do? Uh, maybe it's been in reading the scriptures this week or in praying this week or in conversations this week, that you felt like God is directing you to do something that you have yet to act on. The second question is similar. Is there anything that God has directed you to do in the past, maybe a week ago or a month ago or a year ago or 10 years ago, that you are currently doing? Like you felt this call, you felt this direction, and you said, yeah, I'm going to do it, and you've, and you've been living it out. Uh, or maybe you, maybe you haven't. Maybe you felt this call or this, this sense of something you were supposed to do last week, but you didn't do it. But there's still this, this opportunity in front of you. And the reason I wanted to put that question on there is because some of us, some, some of you, um, sharing around the tables, there'll be something that you're in the midst of trying to be obedient to Jesus' call for something. And we want to know, as a, as a family, as, a, as you know, we talked about in the vision series that we are a family of missionary disciples, we want to know how we can support one another in that. So, we, we want to do food and we want to gather around tables and we want to have conversation because we want to get to know one another because we want to actually support one another in that process of being followers of Jesus. And we can only do that if we know how to, do, how to support one another and how you are following Jesus. So the last one is related to that second question, which is what are ways that we, whether it's the people at your table or the leaders here at River's Edge, if there's, if there's any ways that we can support you in that, if you would just take the, take the time to chat about all that.